0: You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. I am thrilled to have you here once again. Let's talk about something super cool. Let's talk about conflict resolution. Here's something interesting that I'm noticing going on in my social circle, friends and families and that of the sort, is that people will conflict when they begin to compare what somebody else is doing to what they would do. And when those don't match up, then they begin to gossip about that person behind their back, whether it's just to their spouse, to me, to somebody, right? And in this regard, I get to hear it from both sides. And what is not being noticed by any of the people who are doing the gossiping, and for the sake of this, we'll just keep it to one particular people, and I'm not going to use names, but it is very interesting to me that they both are complaining to me about the other one, and I'm just mum's the word. i Don't share secrets. I am a recovery coach for a living. If there's one thing I know how to do, it's keep people's secrets. And what's really interesting is that part of the neuro linguistic programming training that I went through to become a master practitioner and become a master trainer, we follow certain presuppositions. And these are things that we presuppose to be true in order to um, have a better life, to achieve a more positive feeling. And it's things like everybody's doing the best they can with the resources they have, um, calibrate uh, on behavior and love the person, things of this nature, where it's realizing that if you respect other people's models of the world, that's another one, it's really just understanding that you don't know what you think you know about someone. That even if they tell you their stories of their life, it's being run through their filters, their processes, their own eyes, their own experiences, and it's all sort of manipulated by their own mind. So even if they try to tell you how good, bad, or right, wrong, how many hardships they went through, or how privileged they've been, they're going to miss out on important details that might actually allow them to seem more human to you in the moment, for a lack of a better term. So what's happening with these two individuals is, and here's another presupposition, that the map is not the territory. What you see is not all that exists. And what's happening between these two people is that they are judging the other one based off how they would behave. And while one person's behavior could be deemed disrespectful... Somebody else might deem it as, well, you know, they're just doing what they want to do. They understand their own boundaries. And if they are done talking, then they are just going to get up and walk away and go into their room and close the door and that's it. They're done for the night. Where somebody else might have expected a loving goodbye and a hug and a little bit more closure to what was going on. And without really asking the person why they do what they do, then you don't really have any insight into what their behaviors are motivated by. And the more interesting aspect of this is that even if you were to say, why is it when we're in the middle of a conversation, you'll just get up and disappear for 30 minutes and you'll end up in your bedroom with the door closed on your phone. The person is probably going to feel defensive about that because it started, the sentence started with the word why, because that tends to be at an unconscious level, a questioning of one's values, a questioning of one's existence. Why? Why is that this way? Right? Like people feel like they have to defend it. Now, is there better ways, more desirable ways? Sure. It could be something as simple as, you know, when we're having a conversation, I've just noticed that there are times that you'll go in your room and close the door. I'm just curious as to uh, if there's something going on in the conversation that makes you feel uncomfortable. Is there something that I could do to just understand you at a more lovingly level so that I could be a part of what you're experiencing? I know that sounds really long and you're like, dude, seriously, that's just going to come out of my mouth. I've spent years working on this, even back when I was a drunk, knowing how to communicate with people in such a way that they wouldn't get defensive. Because I honestly am not going to to plant my flag at the top of the why do you disappear in the middle of our conversations and go into your room hill. I'm not going to sit here and get into a fight about your behaviors. Honestly, I'm just curious if you don't want to share it or if it's something I said, then you, you do you. I am not going to necessarily mute the way that I talk about things in front of you just in hopes that it'll have you like me more. I did that for years in addiction. And at some point, especially whenever you know I hit the awesome age of 40, it was just like, look, people are going to like me or they're not going to like me. And how much energy am I going to put forth towards getting someone to like me for what purpose? I mean, maybe they're not somebody that I necessarily like all that much. So I'll enjoy them the way that I enjoy them and you know it'll be what it bees. But I want to encourage you to expand your vision and understanding of the broader aspects of somebody's behavior. The map is not the territory. Just because you're seeing it is not all that exists. And an easy way to remember this presupposition that I teach in my NLP classes to people just like you is that when Lewis and Clark were put upon the quest by Thomas Jefferson to go seek out the mapping of the Louisiana Purchase. We had purchased this gigantic territory from the French, humongous, stretched far and wide out to the west. So we had purchased the territory, but we did not have a map of it. We did not know the topography, the geography. We didn't know what kind of soil or temperatures. We didn't know what kind of, you know, climate standards there were does it rain somewhere is there farmland are there animals out there are there people out there we owned the territory but we had not a map of it and just because another country gave us a map doesn't mean that we're going to believe their map we wanted to experience it for ourselves so you have this territory so much of it unexplored and you don't really get to experience it till you see it with your own eyes but when it comes to human behavior even the things that we see We don't necessarily understand the meaning behind. We don't understand the motivations. We don't know if something happened to somebody when they were younger and when they start to feel uncomfortable or they get to a certain energy level, they like to go back into their room and recharge because they're an introvert. We don't know if the reason why the person is being really loud at the party is because they're a attention hog and they just want to be the center of attention or if it's because when they were a kid, there were so many other children in the house that they felt ignored. So the only way that they could get anybody to notice them or show them love was to stand out. We don't know any of these things, and we're not even sure if we ask the person at just the right moment where they didn't feel defensive and they felt open to the conversation, if they would be able to adequately answer why they do something. If I say, when did you start doing that? Where was the first time you did that? Most people, whenever they're in coaching sessions, don't know. We have to get them into a meditative state and get them to go back and start looking at their childhood we got to rummage around that little monica's closet for a little while moving around things that we don't necessarily need to remember in the moment but are there and if we move around enough things we could probably find the first second or third where that that behavior that emotional anchor was set into the ground and when something similar happens in their adult life it gets triggered and they go back to acting the way that they did when they were younger because that's how they figured out back then how to take care of themselves. And now we're adults with all of this different sufferings and traumas and pains and rejections inside of us. And our mind has anchored us into looking out for similar events as to those that we experienced as a child because the brain's hardwired to seek pleasure and navigate away from pain. We want to avoid pain. It's like the brain's number one goal. The unconscious mind's got a lot of things on its plate, keeping our heartbeat, you know, keeping us blinking, you know, the things that we just need to have our body working and being alive or, you know, having our eyes not dry out. But those things are set, that that stuff's way in the back. You're not messing with that kind of functioning. But as far as it goes with the memories and looking out for similarities of things that brought us pain, oh yeah, the unconscious mind's looking for those. So, as you begin to notice people behaving a certain way, realizing that those behaviors have been anchored in for X amount of time. So when these two people in my family are, you know, complaining about the other one to me, what they're failing to realize is that this other person is just behaving in such a way that it fulfills their needs, right? Maybe they're looking for some level of certainty or some level of variety, or Maybe they are looking for love and connection or their cup is full of love and connection and now they just want to go off and be by themselves. Maybe they had enough significance and now they want to go off and just be alone. Perhaps they went back into the room to look at their phone because they are seeking some level of personal growth in the moment. And yes, that might be TikTok or that might be Instagram or that might be Facebook, but it doesn't necessarily make it bad just is what it is, because that's the way that they have figured out to meet their needs. Environment plays a great deal in how people are going to behave, but so does mood and personality and memories and experiences. And people are going to behave however they behave. The question I want you to ask yourself is, are you going to allow your behaviors and how you would normally treat somebody to change based off the way that they're treating you? And I get this can be a little murky because if, if you feel disrespected by the way somebody has treated you, then yes, the natural human inclination is going to be to show them the same courtesy. Well, And I say courtesy in a satirical way because it, they show them the same disrespect. Oh, you just want to get up and walk away from me while we're in the middle of the conversation? Cool. I'll do the same. Oh, you don't want to text me back in a timely manner? Cool. I'll do the same. Oh, you barked at me about telling you which way to turn while we were driving? Cool. Next time we're trying to pull up on something and you're obviously confused, I'm not going to help you. The natural tendency is going to be tit for tat. But in our sobriety and recovery journey, we realize that regardless of how somebody else behaves, we can choose to behave congruent with our values. We can choose to behave congruent with our principles and our standards our morals, our ethics. If we allow somebody else's behavior to take us off our path so we start behaving differently based off of the way they're behaving, then we're giving them our power. We're saying that regardless of how strong I think I am, if you do something, I'm going to allow that to shake me and I'm no longer going to treat you politely with courtesy. Because think about that. If if, If you're a parent and you see your kid not doing something, do you not try to guide them in a more pleasing direction? Are you self-aware enough to realize that if they just throw away their food and they barely touched it instead of trying to save it for the next meal or later when they might be hungry, that that very well could be a behavior that you've inadvertently taught them because they're just watching you modeling your behavior? So if you want someone to treat them better, I'm sorry. Let me. Let me. I think I spit that sentence out incorrectly. If you want someone to treat you better, and they're not in the moment treating you that way, and perhaps this behavior has been going on for much time, what do you think is going to work better for you to start treating them like they've been treating you? So now we're playing tit for tat. Now we're doing the whole eye for an eye thing. So you're going to lower yourself down to their level. They're going to experience that. And do you think that they're just magically going to start treating you better because you started treating them worse? Since they were already a little nonchalant, if not on purposely treating you sideways, do you really think that they're just going to flip the switch and be nicer because they got the hint? (laughs) I wish it worked that way. At least Drunk Jesse did. He wishes it worked that way. Or do you think that modeling the behavior, modeling how you would like to be treated, And it might take a substantial amount of time. It might actually take a really tough, vulnerable conversation with that person to discuss different ways that they could interact. But these two people, they don't have that level of emotional intelligence yet. And I can give them advice like, hey, why don't you just write them and and say something about it? Why don't you just bring it up? Oh, no, if they want to talk about it, then why don't they bring it up? You both clearly want to talk about it. But I'm somehow the middleman, and I don't want to be the middleman. Well, if they were mature enough, they'd bring it up. You're also not bringing it up. So, I mean, it's just so interesting, the projection. And here's the inter- another interesting thing, that the unconscious mind will project behaviors out of your mouth. You will see things. It will project. And you will see things in other people. And the things that annoy you the most about someone else, you might have a bit of that in you too. And you may not think you do. No, I always show up on time. I'm never late. And this person's always late. It's so disrespectful. All right, so is your unconscious mind projecting upon you an opportunity to be more kind and forgiving and flexible and to have a conversation that connects the two of you? Perhaps that's what you're lacking. Is the ability to have a connective moment where you can actually talk to the person about it, because that's also what the other person's doing. They keep showing up late and they're not telling you why with like a real reason why, and it happens time and time again. There's something going on there too. they're not willing to communicate. Where might be somewhere else in your life that you disrespect people? And it may have nothing to do with time, but it, have, it may have to be to do with something about the way that you snap judge people may have something to do with the way that you uh, invite people to your house or treat them while you're there. Are there ways that perhaps you're being disrespectful to other people's time and energy and attention that has nothing to do with time, but your mind is projecting that out there? We're all fallible in some way or another. The map is not the territory. Just because it's what we're experiencing doesn't absolutely positively make it true. It may be true in that moment to us from our perspective, But one person's rude may be another person's extremely polite. One person's I never want to see you again is another person's I've been looking for you everywhere. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Just because you experience it one way doesn't make that objective truth. It does make it your subjective truth. And your feelings are very real. They are. And they are to be respected. And if you don't feel like you're getting the love, the attention, the time the respect that you've earned, I don't mean deserve, I mean earned, and you're not willing to have the conversation with that person, then it is your choice to stop hanging out with them, which is basically where both of these people have landed on this. And whether they ever have the conversation with themselves or not, I'm somebody in sobriety and recovery. They are not. So I know how I intend to behave. I know how I intend to create my space in this universe. I know how I intend to be there, to present myself, to acknowledge others. I see plenty, plenty, plenty of examples of behaviors and language patterns that I refuse to replicate in my own life. I will forgive people for their misdeeds because for 22 years, that's what I was asking of everybody else. And that doesn't mean that I'm giving them a complete pass on all of this I can't be gaslit you can't manipulate me I was the gaslighter manipulator extraordinaire back in the day I see all the tricks and I may not want to plant a flag on that hill and argue this certain topic in front of this person you know to I'm blue in the face I might just be like oh okay and they may think that they won they may think that they got something over on me but I'm nobody's fool neither are you the addictive mind was very manipulative. Therefore, we have like a, you know, we have a master's degree in that. We see it from a mile away. It's your choice whether to change your behavior based on how somebody else is treating you. And you might feel absolutely positively at right to change the way you treat somebody based off the way that they've treated you. You have to ask yourself, am I going to give them that power? Am I going to allow them to control me in that way where instead of behaving in the the way I would normally behave, I'm going to lower down to their level of behavior? They clearly drank some poison, so I'm just going to drink it now too? I mean, that's the issue we're having in in this country, if not the world, right? Everybody looks at the other side and thinks they're the enemy. No one's the enemy. Nobody's doing anything against you. They're doing it for themselves. That's another presupposition from NLP. Nobody's doing anything against you. They're doing it for themselves. Yeah, they might be gossiping behind your back. They might be walking away. They might be disrespecting you in some manner, but they're doing it for themselves. It might might feel like they're doing it to you, but somewhere in their lives, they don't feel like they have power. So they want to try to you know, usurp their power in that moment on you so that they can feel some kind of energy inside them that increases their self-worth. You see this when people meander across the crosswalk while looking at their phone, knowing that every single car is currently waiting for them to cross so they can turn. But in that moment, they want to express their power. They want to flex their muscles. I don't get angry at those people. I get curious about how little power they must have in their life that they're going to exude it right there in the middle of a crosswalk. People do things for themselves, not against any of us. When you can really truly step into embracing that one, you'll actually be able to forgive yourself for a lot of your misdeeds from the past. Yes, I may have stolen money out of a girlfriend's purse. I may have lied to girlfriends. I may have lied to teachers. I may have lied to professors and to friends, and I may have manipulated the situation. And I wasn't doing it against these people, I was doing it to fulfill a need within myself. Now I just choose to fulfill those needs differently because I see more of my map. Being blacked out and, you know, sleeping in gutters and in alleys and. <laughs> back up people's cars and underneath my car in one instance, that's just me being a foggy mess. I don't even see my own map, let alone have the ability to explore the territory. But now we experience life through this clear eye, clear heart manner. Love yourself first. Understand that you weren't out to get people. You were just trying to fulfill your own needs realize that there might be people in your life who are not behaving towards you the way you'd prefer. Treat them the way you want to be treated. And if at some point they don't get on board with it and you've had a conversation and you've exposed your vulnerabilities and you've asked them politely to shift their relationship and communication with you and they still refuse to do it, then you get to make the decision on how often you have that person around you, how often that person's in your life. You get to make that decision. And if they don't like it, you can simply say, man, you know, I have tried to communicate with you. I have tried to have a conversation about this. I just, it just doesn't feel right. Something feels off. And for my own health and my own personal boundaries, my own safety, I just think that we don't need to be around each other as much. And you get to word it however it feels good for you, but you get to make that choice now. You always could make that choice. But part of the sobriety and recovery journey is realizing that your voice is just as important as anybody else's voice. Don't scream it at people, but certainly don't be afraid to say it. And listen to what I said last time in, in the previous episode. You might need to think about what you want to say. You might need to listen to my show and get some ideas or listen to somebody else's show or go Google You know, top 10 ways of having a tough conversation with somebody who you actually want to like when it's over. There's information. Write out some sentences. Practice it. Visualize it. Align with your values. Align with who you want to be and then behave that way. You keep doing that you're going to be shining a light all over your territory. And your map, it's going to be getting bigger and bigger than you ever dreamed imaginable. So brighting recovery doesn't shrink your world. It expands it beyond the farthest horizon. That is something worth journeying toward. All right, my friends, if you'd like to know more about how to learn neurolinguistic programming from me, if you'd like to become one of my recovery coaching clients, um, if you would just like to figure out other ways to get involved with the From Sobriety to Recovery universe, then go to jessiemogel.com slash askme. Click on the coaching or the NLP button, fill out the form. You can also go to the live coaching or the business coaching. I do a lot of different kinds of coaching because it all comes down to how we communicate with ourselves, the habits we have. If you have looked in the mirror and the person looking back at you is not what you want to see. If you have looked around at your life and thought, I know it can be better than this. I just don't know how to start or keep going or stop doing something. I might be ready for your team, but you won't know, nor will I, until you reach out. Go to from recovery at com. It's your own personal email address to me. Hit me up, com slash me, or the live coaching, business coaching buttons on my website. I've created a ton of ways for you to get a hold of me. All right, now let's close it up. Inclusivity over exclusivity. The power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives. When we wake up sober, shout out to all those who have fallen. Glow on. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.